Good morning, church. It's lovely to have Brian up here as well this morning. Um, if you're not aware, at the end of last year, we had a lay minister's training um, and refreshing, training of new lay ministers, refreshing of previous lay ministers, and um, it was for the parish, and we had churches from across the parish, and even St. Peter's Heart Bay sent somebody over, um, and Mike Keggy did some training over a couple of sessions, and we licensed eight um, somewhere renewals. Um, Brian, uh, the first time lay minister, but um, I've read in Kathy's books how he's been le- leading Anglican liturgy as a Baptist in the cathedral, I think it was, in the Seychelles when they were missionaries there, um, leading morning prayer and things like that. Yeah, so this is old hat to Brian. <laughs> Um, Mary Jean has also been part of that and hopefully will also be part of um, helping us in this service. And we're always looking for um, more of us to be involved with the service. So if any of you are, are feeling a bit like, gosh, I just sit here and I wish I could do some more, just speak to Brenda Zadenhout because she would love you to sign up to help with the reading or prayers or um, the tea, maybe only once a month or whatever it might be. Um, but also, we want to grow this. We, we, we don't think this should be a, a fading service. This, we can fill this church to the back with people worshipping at the early service. So, um, um, yeah, let's think about who else we might invite into this space. In the last few weeks, we um, started looking at some of the practices of Jesus. If, if we're his disciples, what does it mean to follow him to be like him, to grow, to do the things that Jesus does. That's what disciples of the master or of the rabbi would do. They would follow and they would um, copy and and do the things that their master did. And so we've talked for four weeks about some of the practice of prayer in Jesus' life. And um, and then last week we heard from Phineas Sebatsani, who is, um, I hope you heard that. If you didn't, you can go on to our website and listen to the message. But um, he is um, starting a house this week. I think some of the women are moving in. Um, uh, Really a home for women who have come from vulnerable and homeless places and through partnership with U-Turn have been rebuilding their lives and are getting one step closer to independence. Um, So it's very exciting what they're doing and seeing furniture moving in there this week. And Phineas spoke last week about the the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, But this week I'd like to start on a little series just about the Sabbath. This was a a practice that was very near and dear to Jesus' heart. Um, And so you think, well, what is there to say about the Sabbath? Surely one one Sunday is enough. We're going to look at this over four Sundays. Um, So not counting the first Sunday of the month, we'll be looking at it over four Sundays. And part one today is about um, a part of what it means to Sabbath, which is just to stop. To stop, to pause. On Friday, Brenda and Nikki and I went to the movies to see a film called Argyle. I can't tell you what the advertisements were before the movie. They're not as memorable as they used to be. But I was reflecting back on how, especially in the 80s, when I first remember going to the movies, um, the, the movie ads were very memorable. Um, they were big and epic and white beaches and blue waters and um, yachts and and it was Peter Stuyvesant cigarette adverts, and it was, I don't know, Shinzano alcohol, and all the things that we weren't really into and ever got into, but the adverts were big, and a lot of money went into those adverts. What exactly were they selling? 
Well, they were selling Sabbath. <laughs> selling Sabbath. Um, can we have that first slide, please, Wendy? Uh, it's not coming up. Oh, okay. All right. Perhaps try to reload them and then double-click on them. But um, the definition of Sabbath, um, Shabbat in Hebrew, literally means to stop or to cease or to be uh, done. And advertising agencies know that we ache for this kind of thing. We ache to, to pause our busy lives and stop on a beautiful beach where we can just take it all in. So they offer it to us. They sell it with some sort of false promise. If you smoke this cigarette or you drink this drink, then that's the life you can have. <laughs> but we know it's not true. The irony is you can't buy the Sabbath. And you don't need to. You just need to stop. And so um, one of Jesus' most famous invitations, which Daphne just read to us, um, is the invitation from Matthew chapter 11, which I believe is an invitation to just stop. It's come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How are you doing there, Wendy? <laughs> That's all right. The message, Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible, says that same verse like this. I love this. Par it's a paraphrase, really. It's not a translation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. Eugene Peterson writes, Matthew 11, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. How does that sound to you? Yes. To live freely and lightly. Yeah. Are you tired? If you are, here are some possible reasons why we, God's people, might be tired. Your body may be exhausted. You know, until recent human history, most people slept 10 to 11 hours a day uh, or a night. And the reason was the sun went down and there wasn't electricity. Um, and there were lights and fires, but, but the rhythms of the earth and the sky and the sun gave us our rhythms of waking and sleeping. Um, and insufficient sleep has huge effects on the body and on the mind. I think the average Westerner now gets six hours of sleep a night instead of 10 or 11. That's a massive difference. So many of us are tired a lot of the time. But not just our bodies, our souls. Jesus, in this verse, talks about, I'll give you rest for your souls. He's speaking about something much deeper. You know, even if you take a rest for a while, physically, you take a holiday, um, there's still a deep spiritual exhaustion that we can feel as a result of the life that we live. 
an exhaustion that just won't go away. And it's contributed to things like the pace of, of our modern world. Hurry, rush, busyness. Noise all around us, all the time. Always online and connected. Constant phone alerts. Always working, culture. Financial pressures. Crippling constraints as the costs skyrocket and the income seems to diminish cost of living, for some people working multiple jobs to survive, the angry political world around us, and the pandemic of loneliness. It can be just too much to bear, just too much to bear. So is it, is it any wonder that we feel tired and weary so much of the time? And perhaps you're someone who's well-rested. Perhaps you do know how to rest your soul and your body well. And so um, we need you to help us to figure this out. But there are many uh, in the world, but especially in the church, who are not well-rested in their souls and who are struggling because of it. Um, And I think that's my struggle, and I don't know how it is for you. But at the center of the Christian life is this call to love, to love God, to love our neighbor. And you know, when, if we're honest, the more exhausted we are, the harder we find it to love. Phineas spoke about this love for neighbor last week. Um, But I know that most of the worst moments in my life, when I'm the most irritable or impatient or selfish, is when I'm tired and exhausted. It's not an excuse, but it's a state of not being rested and the consequences. So it's not a surprise that Jesus' plan for our life is not for us to be so desperately exhausted, unhappy or sleep deprived. That's the enemy's will for our life. The enemy is anti-Sabbath, anti-stopping, anti-rest. But that's not Jesus' plan. In my first placement as a minister 18 years ago, I was newly ordained and I was working in an Anglican church in England. My uh, incumbent rector was a workaholic. He never stopped. He never had a day off. He just went, went. In fact, uh, a member of this congregation said to me on Friday, you never take your day off, do you? I thought, where have you been? I always take my day off religiously because I need it. Um, But in that first job, I remember thinking, it's this constant pressure to keep up with my boss. And he doesn't stop, so I shouldn't stop. But um, even his son said to me once, you know, Dad never stops. He hasn't got time for me. And I thought, gosh. Um, and I remember him saying to my boss then, the rector, saying to me one day, Do you know, the, de- the devil never takes a day off, so why should we? Because we've got to keep going. We're in ministry. And that may be true, but we don't work for the devil. And Jesus did take a day off. (laughs) So rest is a non-negotiable when you're a disciple of Jesus. It's a non-negotiable. And so many people have said to me, but Jeremy, you don't understand. I have to work. I have to earn. I have to keep my family going. I have to do the lifts and take the kids and do this. I can't stop. I can't afford to stop. 
But those words in themselves are a sign, a red flag that there's trouble. Because we have to make decisions about the things that are right in our lives and not let our lives run away with us. So if the goal of the Christian life is to grow as a person who loves deeply, loves God and loves neighbor, we can't do that if we're chronically exhausted. So how do we reposition our lives to, from a place of exhaustion or tiredness towards what Jesus calls life to the full? How, and, and it's not a, a quick switch off and switch on, but what can we put in place to move ourselves from the one to the other? Sabbath is the answer. The word Sabbath, it means to stop. It also means to rest. It also means to worship. It also means to delight. And those are four aspects of the Sabbath that we're going to take time to just prod a little deeper into what Scripture has to say and what Jesus' life has to say to us about resting in our lives. To stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. In Genesis chapter 2, Daphne read to us... um, if you could go down to that slide, please. I think it's slide number six. Wendy, thank you. Um, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you notice God took a Sabbath? God, the creator of the universe, needed a Sabbath. How much more do do we, his creation, need to Sabbath, to stop and to rest? He stopped. God stopped what he was doing. He paused. He stepped back. He said, it is good. He set not just a, a moment in history that we could look at and say, oh, look, God's Sabbath, but he set a pattern into the rhythm of creation that said this is how to sustain life. It's to work six days and to rest. It's funny because every single society in the world and in history has built its life and lifestyle around a seven-day week. But the week is the only period of time that is not moved, uh, sorry, is not linked with the movement of the stars and creation. The day is linked to the 24-hour rotation of the earth. The month is the moon's lunar cycle. The year is the earth's journey around the sun. But the seven-day week, which all societies have built their life upon, is something that's built out of God's rhythm for life and instituted here from the beginning of time. The seven-day week. I never thought about it like that. Have all these natural rhythms that scientists have told us this makes sense. But where did they get the seven day week? In fact, they've ch- tried to change the length of the week before in history. The last attempt apparently was in 1793 during the French, French Revolution when they tried to make a 10 day week so that they could increase productivity. Well, the result was that productivity decreased markedly, mental illness increased, and suicides increased. So they went back to a seven-day week. 
I think that our, our generation is reliving the French Revolution, <laughs> trying to get more productive with time and have less rest. The smartphone, electricity, alarm clocks, cars have created a world where we can just keep on going and never stop. But God created the human body and the planet to live in a rhythm, day and night, summer and winter, high tide and low tide, breathe in and breathe out. And when we lose this sense of rhythm, of pace, back and forth, of work and rest, we lose a part of our humanity. We're not machines, we have a soul. It was not created to keep going 24-7. And so when we live without a Sabbath in our life and the practice of Sabbath, we go against the rhythm that God, the Creator Himself, put in place to sustain our lives and to give us life in all its fullness. A medical study was once done on a Christian community in the States which believed strongly in the practice of Sabbath and rest and stopping. And they, they did a whole lot of medical research. And the study found that not only were they much happier people than the average American, I don't know if that was related to their following Jesus, but on average, the general population, um, compared with the general population, they lived 11 years longer than people who did not rest and stop for a Sabbath. One doctor pointed out that if you add up the time devoted to Sabbath over your life, it's about 11 years. For every day that you Sabbath, you literally save a day of your life. When the world might say you lose a day of productivity, you actually increase, and it's a gift. So God doesn't just suggest it and do it. He then commands us. And in the, the version of the Ten Commandments, it's done um, several times in the first few books of the Bible, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, but in Exodus um, chapter 20, it's 37% of the Ten Commandments is about the Sabbath. This commandment, um, if, you, if you look at the volume of the words in the Ten Commandments, it's a huge chunk. It's the biggest chunk of the commandments, which is about the Sabbath. God says to his people, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. Uh, can we have the next slide, please, Wendy? I think it might be there. There we go, Exodus. Um, Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. See, the, the Sabbath isn't just a good idea. It's a commandment. It's a command by God. And yet, for so many of us, even in the church, um, we brag about breaking the Sabbath. We don't say, you know how many times I lied this week? Or do you know I committed adultery twice this week? But we might say, 
Um, you know, I worked so hard all week and I didn't take a break. Um, and, and it's almost like we're bragging. But we're breaking a commandment. I remember being told off by a prisoner. We were doing Alpha in Polsmore Prison. And one of the prisoners, Jean, said, How are you when I walked into the prison that day? Into medium B. Remember, going into the shower section where we did Alpha in this little shower section. That was our chapel. And Jean greeted me. How are you today? I said, I'm fine. I've just been really busy. And he said, oh, busy. Do you know what busy stands for? I said, no. He said, B-U-S-Y, buried under Satan's yoke. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I felt severely chastised. I've been really careful ever since about saying I'm busy. Um, but it's true. When we say we're busy, we're saying we've given ourselves over to being out of control. You know, when things are in the right rhythm, that's not busy, that's life. And life as it's meant to be. And Jesus said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. He was speaking to people who had the opposite problem to us. They had too many rules about the Sabbath. You must do this. You can't do that. You must do this. And remember all these rules. And so he had to remind them, the Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. I think we have a different problem. Our problem is that we have too many, um, we don't have any rules for the Sabbath. The opposite sort of end of the spectrum. And so it just becomes a nice to have. And in the next few weeks we'll go into more what we mean by Sabbath rest. Um, Is it just a day off work? Or, Or what does it actually look like to stop and pause? to delight in the good things that God puts around us, to worship um, and to rest well, um, in a way that's restoring, that sets us up for the rest of our life. It's not about whether you are pre-retirement or post-retirement, whether you have more days free to yourself or less. I think you can be 89 and working um, up a storm and not taking a rest because of um, the things that you do, the people you see, the way that we engage with life, but stopping and pausing long enough. You see, the, the Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift from God to you and me and to all creation. And in the beginning of Exodus chapter 20, it says, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. What do we remember? On the Sabbath, we remember that God is our creator. He's made us. And this is his world. It's not our world. We remember that there's a rhythm to creation. And we bring ourselves into God's rhythm. We remember that we don't stop when we're finished. Because we're never finished. It's never enough. We stop when the rhythm that God has built into our lives and our bodies says stop. We remember that we're not what we do, or what we have, or what other people think of us. We are who we are deeply loved by. We are who we are deeply loved by. We are deeply loved by God. That defines us. I think many people fear stopping. They fear what emotions may come up. What might catch up with them in their thought life. The things that lurk beneath that God is still healing or needs to be, have space to heal. 
Who am I if I'm not producing or performing? And Sabbath is this weekly act of identity formation, if you like. We remember, I am God's loved one. We allow him to form us and reform us. We remember that our life with God is not a right, but a gift. We remember that the world is full of evil and injustice, but yes, it's also full of goodness and beauty and truth. And we relish in that. We remember that we owe it to God to be grateful and full of joy in his world. You see, Sabbath is is so much more than just a day. It's a way of existing. It's a way of doing our life with God. The practice of Sabbath is a day of rest in which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness for the rest of our lives. In the Sabbath, we move from a place of hurry to a place of peace that should inform going back into our activity with a sense of peace, not a sense of hurry. We move from noise to quiet. We move from distraction to clarity. And we move from crowd, which can be overwhelming sometimes, to community, loving the people that God has put with us and enjoying them. It's not just about being alone, coming away on your own. It is about community also. And Sabbath isn't the end. It's, it's a means to an end. The point is not to take a day off or to be rested or to be happy. The point of the Sabbath is to enter deeply into the life of God. Sabbath is this invitation to go deeper into who God is and how he has made us to be. The, the um, author Walter Brueggemann, a New Testament theologian, said, people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. People who Sabbath live all seven days differently. We don't have to be exhausted all the time. We don't have to buy or earn our rest. We just have to stop. Amen.